0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast of International Lutheran Church in Seoul, South Korea. I'm Pastor Chuck Hoffman. Good morning, everyone, and uh, it's wonderful to have you here this week, especially... For the barbecue. I'm pretty excited about that. But before we get to the barbecue, we've got the Word of God and we've got uh, His teaching us to rest and what that means. So I got to thinking about that and I thought a good example that I've noticed is my children, Annalise and Elsie, and you just saw them and they walked out just a moment ago. When you're two years old, like they are, playing is kind of like your job. It's your full-time job, uh, because that's how children learn. They learn by playing. And uh, I've been observing this for two years now. They, They play, they pretend, they stack things up, they knock those things down, and all of the time they are learning. They're learning words. They're learning how to move their little fingers. At every moment of play, they learn, and that's what they're supposed to be doing every moment of the day. I will often get Annalise and Elsie out of their bedroom in the morning. I'll pick them up, uh, uh, put them on the floor, and they just walk straight out of the room. And they'll walk over to the living room. And they will sit down and dutifully just begin to play. uh, As if they knew it was time to begin their shift in the morning. Uh, It's almost as if, if there was a punch clock on the wall. They would walk over and just punch in and sit down, open a book. And start to play. So if playing is their full-time job at this age, then what is their rest? Well, of course, rest is nap time for them. So at around uh, 1.30, they eat lunch and then maybe play a little bit longer for about an hour, and then about 1.30 in the afternoon, Gene or I announce It's time for them to rest. They must rest, and they know that they must rest. If they don't rest, then their job performance takes a real dive. (laughs) What I mean by that is suddenly the playing and the learning turns into more of a nightmare of screams and frustration. It turns out that rest is important. They absolutely need it and on most days they recognize this and they don't really fight nap time. They may ask for one more book and then if we say okay one more and then you go and then they agree. So we say it's rest time they'll they'll walk around they'll try to find their blanket wherever they've left it and they'll pick that up and walk straight to the bedroom I'll put them into their crib, and they just lay down and go to sleep. It's really nice. (laughs) 90 minutes later or so, sometimes even two hours later, break time is over and back to work. And they get up and do it all over again. Rest is essential. Rest makes work possible, and it makes work productive. God commanded rest. He didn't just suggest it, he actually commanded rest. And he had to command it, because he knew that if he didn't, we would think that we could get ahead by not resting at all. We would think that we could depend upon ourselves and upon our hard work And after all, if eight hours of work a day earns you this much money, then why not work 12 hours a day? Or why not work seven days a week? Then you just get more, right? But you can't. You must rest, or you will be worse off. This has been proven time and again. You will get less done, your productivity will go down, your health will fail, your relationships will suffer if you never rest. God made rest a part of creation, something that we are not to try to ignore or avoid. God made rest for us as a gift. God created the world in six days, and then on the seventh day, he rested. Not because God needs to rest, of course he does not, but as a model for us to follow. In 1929, in Soviet Russia, they thought they could maybe get more done under a new model. They thought this seven-day week was a bit outdated, has religious background, so maybe we can come up with something better. So they decided to change to a five-day week. Of course, the days they got rid of were Saturday and Sunday. They got rid of the weekend because that would be a traditional day of worship. It was kind of convenient for the Marxists to say, yeah, these are the days we can push aside. Makes it a little bit hard for Christians to gather. So they said, we're going to call these five days, one, two, three, four, five. And on any given day, about one-fifth of the people will be resting, and the other four-fifths of the people will be working. That way we can keep working every day of the week. Eighty percent of the people are working every single day, and 20 percent of the people are resting. They still noted that you need a day of rest. But the whole system failed. Within a year, people complained. You see, the day of rest was uh, randomly assigned. So a father might have day two off, and then the mother of the family might have day four off. And then the children who go to school may have day five off from school. It was completely chaotic. Uh, The family unit began to break down. People had no chance to gather together into groups. What's more, even the machines began to break down. They were not given any regular maintenance period as well, they were just being run every single day. We must rest. We must rest together with our families, with our friends. This is how God made us. First, because God modeled this in creation. But also because the Sabbath day allows us to exercise our dependence on God. It is through our weakness that we can see God's strength. This is why in our reading from Deuteronomy, where God is commanding us to observe a Sabbath day of rest, he mentions the Exodus. He mentions God bringing the people out of Egypt because it was God the one who was acting, not the people. The people were completely weak. They had no way of overcoming this this power. But God, it says, with a strong and mighty arm, he brought them out. They came down into Egypt as just a family of people, 70 people or so, and they left millions of people strong. They went down as an extended family, and they came back out 400 years later as an entire nation. But they needed to be taught to rely on God, and rest is this essential part of learning how to rely on God. When I was a college student and I was a new Christian, I was pretty good about attending worship every week. But often I was tempted not to go to worship. If I wanted an excuse, there were many I could find. Uh, another book to read, another paper that I needed to write before Monday morning, uh, a, a test, a language test that I needed to study for. And, and so I, I confessed this to my pastor at the time, I, I said, it's, it's getting hard for me. I have all these uh, homework assignments. And he gave me a nice piece of wisdom. He said, part of keeping a Sabbath means planning your work on the other six days of the week to allow yourself to set aside time on that seventh day for worship. In order to keep a Sabbath and set aside time for rest for God, we have to be diligent on the other six days. We have to focus on our work when it is time to focus. So the commandment to rest is also a commandment to be faithful in our work. I also found that skipping worship never really increased my productivity. That one hour was never what made the difference about whether or not I got something done. In fact, I found that if I did attend worship, then even if I was overwhelmed and had a task list, you know, longer than I could manage, I still would get everything done that I needed to get done. God was always faithful. When we do rest, when we receive the Word of God on a regular basis, then uh, He is faithful. He allows us to get done what we need to get done. Now, The temptation for Israel with this commandment, as it is with any commandment, was to try to find a way around the commandment. So, for example, if I'm not allowed to work, then I'll just hire some servants and I'll make them work on the day that I'm not allowed to work. So God thought that they might say this. And he said, by the way, your servants must rest as well. Then they said, okay, Well, if our servants must rest, and we must rest, then let's get some foreigners that aren't part of our nation of Israel, and we'll bring them in there, and then they can work on the day that we're not allowed to work. So God thought of that as well. He said, yes, and also the foreigners. They are not allowed to work on the day of rest as well. Resting is for all creation. Even the land must rest in the winter. God has built this rhythm into everything and life works much better when we uh, get on the beat and uh, instead of trying to play off rhythm all of the time. So now that we understand that this, this command to rest is important and there are no exceptions truly, then now we arrive at this time of Jesus where rabbis were arguing over what the Sabbath day meant. This gift of rest, this gift to creation, had become this kind of huge burden as they try to figure out exactly who's right and who's wrong. Jewish authorities had come up with a very complex uh, description of exactly what constituted work and what did not. So, for example, maybe you would be allowed to walk 100 feet And that's not work. But if you walk 200 feet, now you've done work and you have broken the Sabbath. They had hundreds of rules like this. And in fact, one of those rules was healing was considered work. Even miraculous healing was considered work. So this was therefore forbidden on Saturday, which was the Sabbath. And Jesus didn't like that at all. This gift of rest, this way of teaching us faith and reliance upon God had become this nitpicky obsession about who was following this exact list of prohibitions. So Jesus turned the whole thing on its head and he reminded the people saying, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We were not placed here To pull out our hair, trying to make sure we keep every little burdensome rule. We were placed here to know God. To serve God. To have faith that He's providing. And resting is a part of that. And this is why Paul said that we have this treasure in jars of clay jars of clay are weak. If you just brush against it with your hand and it falls off the table, it will shatter into a hundred pieces. We have limitations. We are breakable. We're just like a clay jar. But what we contain is the message of the gospel, Paul says. What we contain and what we point to is Jesus being Lord. And one of the ways we point to that is by resting every week by coming together to hear the Word of God. Some people golf on Sunday. Some people go sailing. If I had a sailboat, I'd probably go sailing on Sunday. Nice things. I used to watch... I remember as a kid, there would be a commercial for subscribing to the New York Times. And, or they would say, or, or if you don't want to pay the large price and get it every day of the week, just get the Sunday edition. And they would show this uh, nice couple with tea, and they're sitting on their bed, and they've got the whole Sunday edition of the New York Times uh, laid out in front of them, crossword puzzle, sports section. And the, maybe the golden retriever jumps up onto the bed and lays down, and that's the image of, this is how you rest on Sunday morning. Well... Maybe. But as Christians, we have this treasure in jars of clay. We recognize our weakness. And so in our rest, we want to soak up the encouragement of the Word of God. We want to soak up the comfort of the Gospel. We want to soak up the gifts of the sacrament, Jesus' body and blood on offer here today. We don't do it because... We have to, or because we're worried what people will think if the place where we normally sit in church is empty on Sunday. We do it because we want to know Him better. We do it because we want to learn how to rely upon God, how to admit our weaknesses and our limitations. We want to know that God is shown strong when we are honest about our weaknesses. That's our act of trust. That's what's going on in a Sabbath rest. We're trusting that God will continue to provide for us. Amen.